the future is prosperous and sustainable. Step into the Building Good podcast with Jen Hancock and Tim Coldwell. Discover how business and community leaders are building a better world through community activation, inclusive cultures, and climate leadership. Good day. I'm Jen Hancock, one of the hosts of Building Good podcast. Today, we're going to explore sustainability. In a world that's faced with climate change as a key issue, there are some companies really leading the market. And if you're not already exploring this topic in your own business, it's hard to imagine that you won't be or that it won't be a key concern for you in the near future. The idea that business can be a force for good for people, planet, and while still making a profit is not a myth. Maple Leaf Foods is a household name in Canada. They're a leading consumer protein company, and we're going to talk about Maple Leaf's journey to becoming carbon neutral. They are actually one of the first major food companies in the world to achieve this, which is amazing. So on that note, I'm excited to speak with my guest today, Tim Faveri. He's the Vice President, Sustainability and Shared Value at Maple Leaf Foods. Hey, Tim. Hi, Jen. Good to be here. So, Tim, can you maybe uh, talk to us a little bit about, as the Vice President, Sustainability and Shared Value, talk to us a little bit about what your role is and your, your history at Maple Leaf? Sure. So my role at the company is leading the sustainability strategy for the organization, not only the development and ongoing evolution of our sustainability strategy, but also corporate reporting and to embed sustainability across all aspects of our business. It's become a very straightforward process for us because we're a purposeful organization. Back in 2017, we launched Raise the Good in Food, which is our social purpose. And the very framework of Raise the Good in Food is sustainability. The vision for our purpose and for our company is to be the most sustainable protein company on earth. So we've elevated sustainability to that level. And that's a really, really powerful way to engage employees, to embed programs right across the company. Wow. It sounds like an amazing job. And I have to guess that there's actually not too many people out there who would have the same uh, title as you have. So on the side of Maple Leaf, although it's a household name, do you want to give us a little bit of an idea of kind of market share, operations based, just company history? You talked a little bit about that in your bio, but just give us a little further mm-hmm. context. So the Maple Leaf Foods, we're over 100 years old. We're a protein company. Our proteins are pork poultry, and plant-based protein. We have about thirteen to 14,000 employees across Canada and the United States. We have pretty dominant market share with our products at grocery retail. And uh, we have about 30 operating plants, facilities across Canada, two in the United States, which are plant-based protein facilities. We're a farm-to-fork supply chain as well. So on the pork side of our business, we We have uh, pork barns in Manitoba, many of them. We have processing facilities right through to distribution and branded products on the shelves. What a lot of people don't realize as well is we're a big supplier to retailers and food service. So we manufacture their private label products that you might see on grocery shelves and on food service in quick service restaurants and, and other restaurant companies the protein products behind the scene. Great. So actually, before we dig in on the sustainability side, there's something that I've found really fascinating when you've been talking about Maple Leaf and the direction you've gone. So I never, you know, I, without looking at your website, didn't realize that you 
instead of, I've always thought about Maple Leaf as a meat company, but you guys mm-hmm. are a protein company. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I find it such an interesting pathway. I know there's a few other of the meat companies that have gone the direction of using the word protein, but can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So, you know, we made a pivot and, and to broaden our reach into, into other forms of protein, again, aligned, aligned with our purpose. When an organization develops its purpose, it focuses on the first aspect is defining a why and the why your company exists. And that's really important. And then we look at, we looked at, you know, what society needs and what our company can do to be, you know, to influence social good. And when we did that, we looked at, uh, you know, the importance of food and the food system in society. You know, you could put food at the nexus of, of any major societal issue right now, whether it's climate change or food insecurity or soil health, water, you know, food is, is, is essentially extremely important uh, in all aspects of society. And then when you look at some of the disconnects that are happening or what we would see as, as, as challenges for the food system, uh, you know, on the planet right now, there's, there's, there's over 800 million people that are undernourished, yet over a billion people that are overweight. And, uh, you know, society wastes one third of their food. So these disconnects were quite telling in our, in our strategy development process. And as a big company in Maple Leaf, with scale in the Canadian food system, we feel that we have an ability to lead, an ability to change that food system to become more sustainable. So it kind of started there as us looking at, you know, the why, what society needs, and it comes together with our purpose, raise the good in food. You know, raise, raise is a very action-oriented word. It uh, means to lift, to elevate, to continuously improve. Good food is obviously sustainable food, safe food, healthy food, culturally appropriate. And it really, really resonated with our people right across the board. Yeah, it's amazing. I think just the approach you've taken gives your company, you know, not only so, as you mentioned, sort of this big S sustainability by moving into broader protein base, looking at that, it also gives you kind of the small S business sustainability because you've broadened what you can provide as a company by switching from sort of that primary meat focus to other proteins um, from all aspects. It's impressive. Yeah. And the plant, the the move to plant-based protein is directly linked to that, right? So we know, and um, you know, it's pretty commonplace that let's say if we take an animal out of the protein supply chain, it's going to be less environmentally impactful than just uh, focusing on plants. You know, animal agriculture and agriculture in general um, accounts for about, you know, 30% of, of global greenhouse gas emissions. And there are also impacts of land and water, et cetera. So when we look at our business, when we, when, when we looked at the protein side of our business and realized you know, we want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem on a big issue like climate change, then that opens up new opportunities for us to look at. And it was, again, a number of years ago when we started looking at alternative protein, plant-based protein in particular, and looking at opportunities how we can broaden our reach to gain market share and, and uh, you know, alter and, and, and change our products to be uh, more sustainable. Yeah. And what I'm hearing, you guys have taken the approach of not sort of that either or. So it's not meat or plant protein. It's And also, you're taking that balanced approach 
of both, which really is to the benefit of your consumers. And as you've said, also um, environmentally makes a ton of sense. So very interesting. I think it's something to anyone listening, whatever your business model is, to take a look at sort of the base of the problem you're solving, like you guys have done, looking at it like protein instead of just meat. And suddenly it opens the door to a much broader conversation, allows more innovation, um, gives you better product diversity if you so choose to have that. And if you're really digging into the sustainability conversation, you almost need to have that and also thinking instead of that either or. It just doesn't work. Doesn't yeah, work. And that, that, that's part of our strategy in terms of, of uh, how we're executing on our purpose and the strategy we've chosen is it's a disruptor strategy, not designed by Maple Leaf in any way, but you know, originally coined by and developed by the really smart academics at Harvard Business School. And if you look at what shared value means, it, it means being a very competitive and profitable company. And how do you do that? Well, you focus your business on addressing social and or environmental needs of society. So it's, it's a perfect overlay on, on the Venn diagram of purpose. And when you think about a food company and how uh, we can um, execute on shared value, it starts with our products. We have to look at our products in a different way of how we can deliver shared value or, or uh, social uh, improvements, environmental improvements of our products for society and consumers. Reconfigure those products to be healthier. We can move into plant-based protein like we've talked about. We can explore other uh, alternative proteins as well. And that's the essence of, of shared value. And at the same time, we look at being very, very efficient in our business, reducing our environmental footprint, eliminating waste, and the communities where we operate and looking at, at core causes of social issues. And, and for us, we are very passionate and have developed a not-for-profit charitable organization called the Maple Leaf Center for Action that is uh, uh, working on core cause issues of food insecurity for Canadians. And, you know, the concept of food insecurity, I mean, right now we're in the middle of the pandemic and that is obviously a, an issue that's on many Canadians and many people's minds around the world. So that's great that you guys are tackling that. So this idea of shared value, can we, I just want to dig in a little bit, like what made you guys switch to starting to think of the sort of, have you always thought like that as a company or was there, what was the catalyst to change to kind of move into that? idea of shared value and moving into this push for carbon neutrality and well you know every company is different and and if i go back uh even before when i was with the company the company over the last decade has gone through some pretty transformational changes it was 2008 when the canadian listeriosis listeriosis crisis uh impacted maple leaf foods and that tragedy really really caused the company to uh, reflect and, and reinvest in the company with respect to our technology, our facilities, our people, our focus on food safety. Um, and it was all, all hands on deck. We actually had the development of an emerging sustainability program back then, but that was put on hold until you know, the company could get it right with respect to food safety and become a leader in that space. And over the years, that development, transformation, and reinvestment of about a billion dollars in the Canadian plants allowed us to focus the business, of fix the business for one, and then decide how we're going to uh, grow the business again. And in around 2014, the company 
sold off non-protein assets. We sold off Canada Bread, uh, you know, international uh, global bread business and bakery. We sold off a pasta business. We sold off the rendering business and, and came back to core protein. And once we're at that level, then we, we can say, okay, how are we going to grow the business? And like I said, when, when we do a bunch of benchmarking and analysis and strategy on, on your core business, which is protein, it became very easy to see that the world, as population grows, is going to demand significant amount of protein over the next 50 years. And that's going to be meat protein. That's going to be alternative forms of protein. So that's, that's how that kind of grew and, and, and became. Shared value really is aligned to our purpose. And, and once we wanted to grow the business, uh, it was decided, well, we're going to do it in a different way. It's the biggest opportunity for us. These headwinds that I described earlier, like food insecurity and climate change, also are a great opportunity for the food industry. So we looked at it through that lens and raised the good in food and our vision to be the most sustainable protein company on earth kind of evolved from there. So as you, you know, you've developed and kind of refocused in the last, you know, sort of 10 years, 12 years, I'm curious, you know, I know that everything I've sort of, we've talked and everything I've read, people in your company are very important. How did you guys, or did you, and who did you involve in the process as you especially went forth with this shared value and you kind of need everyone on board. So who was involved in your process of building out some of the strategy and then some of the action plans after? How did you get people aligned on that? That's a really great question. Just before we were about to finalize Raise the Good and Food on Our Purpose, we felt it was really important to get input from our employees. So we used an external uh, consultant to facilitate what we called ideation sessions across all the functional departments of our, of our business. And I think believe we held around 17 to 20 ideation sessions. And we asked our employees directly in a, in a workshop setting, you know, how can you, as an accountant, how can you as a plant manager or a, a line supervisor or a, um, a salesperson raise the good in food? How can you do your job to help us be the most sustainable protein company in Earth? And ask them for feedback and ask, ask for their impressions and ask, ask them to identify, you know, how the company is going to live and breathe its purpose. And it was fascinating. We, we ended up with you know, over 200 unique initiatives for us to look at. We prioritized those and um, we whittled it down to about 35 key priorities for the organization to work on. And those priorities that were, were identified from the ground up have become you know, key to our six core business strategies. And all have, you know, senior leadership accountability, KPIs, and they're scorecarded, you know, uh, on a monthly basis right to our COO and our CEO. So it, it, it is truly embedded that way. And it's, it's fascinating the amount of passion that we saw from our people, how we're going to uh, live and breathe our purpose. I think we also had a, a very strong base. You know, we're, we're a very values-driven organization to begin with, even before our purpose. You know, Michael McCain, our CEO, has been at the helm for 25 years. And um, when you do have a, a passionate leader uh, for that long, a culture can thrive. With many publicly traded companies the size of Maple Leaf, you know, I think the average tenure of the CEO is 18 to 24 months. And when that happens, you know, a new CEO comes in, uh, new priorities, new team around that individual, priorities change, culture changes. 
And it would be much more difficult to maintain a purpose, maintain existing strategies, and a focus on sustainability. So what I'm hearing from you is, you know, strong, consistent leadership and someone who in particular values culture and people, communities. And that's evident through the way that he manages your in your CEO, that you had strong direction from your management team and then involvement of people from across the organization and developing further that message so that they had a part in how they saw themselves fitting into that. And then embedding some of those outcomes then in people's accountability agreements so that, you know, from a, a success standpoint, you made sure that you hit all parts of the organization, involved them in the conversation. It was important enough to make it part of accountability. It wasn't just, hey, we're going to do this and then not make it part of anyone's accountability. I, I think that's a huge... Would you... You know, is that... Like, yeah, that's a huge uh, part of your success going forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think this, there's definitely pieces of that that many companies fall down on. I think part of the accountability piece, sometimes we make plans and we may involve talking to people, but then we don't actually... In order to get the rubber to hit the road, you've got you've to have something there that actually makes people want to do or... you know, And that's the, the, the accountability agreement where you might have some bonuses tied to it or just metrics that you're, you're gauging right through the year. How are you tracking on that? So the manage what you measure idea. So that's, that's a great message for you know, for any other company kind of looking to go forth with that. So from the size of your organization and all the work you've been doing, I'm also really fascinated because we are looking right now at setting some climate carbon neutral targets for ourselves. It's a daunting task. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys announced science-based targets and um, becoming carbon neutral. So how can you talk a little bit about how you got to that place? Because it's, it's not, you know, for many companies, they look at it and it's a, it's a huge task to try to get your head wrapped around and actually to implement. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Let me go back to those ideation sessions. So in 2014, we set some of the boldest environmental aspirational goals for our industry, protein industry. And those were to reduce our environmental impact by 50% by 2025. And uh, we've been tracking and still track against those goals today. We're making great progress. And when we were in the ideation sessions on our purpose, you know, with a vision to be the most sustainable protein company on earth, one of the most common pieces of feedback that we received from employees was, well, if we want to be the most sustainable protein company on earth, how come our environmental goals are only set at 50% reduction? And that really resonated with us on the, on the strategy development team. It's like, yeah, they're, you know, they're right. We got to be bolder. So that's what uh, started uh, this kind of uh, catalyzed uh, our look at, at science-based targets and carbon neutrality. You know, science-based targets right now, I consider the, the most ambitious and credible climate change targets out there. They're mapped with uh, current climate science. They give each company skin in the game to reduce our share of our impact with respect to uh, climate change. And they're also validated and uh, facilitated by Carbon Disclosure Project, World Wildlife Fund globally, World Resources Institute, and, and the Global Compact. You know, I can't think of, of more credible organizations to validate your, your climate goals and your climate targets. So we, we knew we wanted to go there. And that's a long process. That starts with a deep, deep data dive on your, on your carbon inventory and your greenhouse gas inventory. And that 
for any company is big because normally with consumer facing companies, most of our footprint is in our supply chain. It's not with our core operations. And that's certainly the case for us. Carbon neutral came about to help again, you know, live and breathe shared value and, and our purpose and differentiate ourselves and as well address what could be society's biggest crisis right now. And that, that is climate change. And when we saw and did our benchmarking of other companies and not not protein companies at this stage, it was other big companies that had really, really bold climate goals, like the CPG companies. Everyone was talking about, you know, net zero or, you know, striving towards carbon neutrality by 2040 or by 2050. And when we looked at that, it was, geez, the climate crisis is happening right now. Why should we set our goals way out that way? Don't you think we can do this? Isn't there a mechanism or a system that we can activate to become carbon neutral now? and then every day moving forward. And so we were able to do that. We had a lot of strong strategic partners along the way, but it did take quite some time to get there. So for any company that is is uh, looking at science-based targets, you're looking at about a, an 18-month to 24-month turnaround for development and then approval of those targets by the Science-Based Targets Initiative. And you guys initially, what I heard from you is just you set a 10-year out, you know, you started in 2014 and you sort of were looking at, you know, 2025-ish or so as sort of your initial, which I think is common to kind of look at that 10-year out goal. I also love that your people came to you and said, hey, if we're actually going to be a sustainable protein company, that also, I think what that indicates is that the culture that you have with all of your employees, they believe in here are involved in. Otherwise, you wouldn't you know, get those comments. And I think it's great that they sort of pushed that further um, and pushed you guys further to think about more than where you were at. Yes, I, I, I totally agree. Now, one of our challenges, and I think with any organization that, that goes down the roads of really bold climate goals and, and science-based targets is educating our employees and our people of what that means. Because it's complex, right? It's not, it's not a simple journey to get on. And there are a lot of, there's a lot of complexity that's unique to our business model and our supply chain, as well as uh, uh, for an organization like Shandos and and your supply chain. So it becomes really important. It becomes a very important communications exercise as well to keep your employees updated on, on your path and your direction. And as well, once you get there, continually educate on how the company's making progress and what employees and everyone can do to, to keep going and keep the momentum. Yeah, great point. I mean, you can't just go ahead and do that without educating because not everyone is in the same place understanding that. But also the complex connections with supply chains, really trying to make sure that because the impact that you have as a company goes much broader, it, it's your employees, but also broadens out quite a bit with who mm-hmm. other companies that you connect with out and making sure that you're communicating clearly the directions you're going, not only to inspire them, but also help, maybe hope help help them change or maybe have them think about being carbon neutral at some point in time. So you've got a huge reach as a company. Um, exactly. Now, yeah. coming from a construction company, I'm also interested. I know that you guys are actually building mm-hmm. a few uh, facilities right now. How are you keeping that the sustainability carbon neutrality component? How are you keeping that in mind as you build these new facilities? What does that mean? Actually, it's a great example of how you know we're we're embedding sustainability into the business. 
and particularly from a, a, a carbon strategy side of things. So the very first aspect of, of a carbon management uh, program or carbon management strategy that you need to look, look at is avoidance right from the get-go of greenhouse gas emissions. So when we're a growing company and we're building new facilities or acquiring new companies, that becomes a very important conversation. So what we, we need to do is, is right off the bat, avoid as many uh, greenhouse gas emissions as possible through the site selection process, through the building design, process design, and then operations of that new facility. For us, and I'll talk about our London poultry facility as an example, we are consolidating three plants into one larger plant. And that's going to gain a massive amount of efficiency with respect to um, energy, water, waste, you know, per kilogram of, of production. The facilities that we currently have are dated. Technology, although it's been upgraded, isn't at scale. So by bringing all that together, we're going to become much more efficient. Those three facilities are also, or two of them are located in the greater Toronto area. And uh, the vast majority of poultry producers uh, that we depend on are in southwestern Ontario. So then locating the new plant uh, in southwestern Ontario actually saves, you know, millions of truck kilometers just by shipping birds back and forth to the, to the processing facility. So there's avoidance of greenhouse gas emissions uh, right there. When you think about process design and building design, you know, we scoured lead certification and, and a whole bunch of other initiatives to look at the greatest opportunities uh, to reduce our impact. And inputting those into the process in the building design has become pretty key. You know, lots of really great initiatives like heat recovery and, and uh, varial speed fans, LED lights, submetering, high efficiency water heaters and, and recycling. You know, the list goes on and on and on. And then we also have to look at how we can influence through uh, not only efficiency, but replacing energy to be more renewable. So we're scoping in on-site solar and battery technology and, and other aspects that we can actually make a difference uh, from renewable energy side of things. That's probably a whole podcast in, in, in itself, Jen, uh, when you think of construction and uh, sustainability. And, and, you know, it's, it's such an important aspect of our society, too, when you think of the environmental impact that construction services and, and construction and building materials have as our population grows, as our cities grows, as infrastructure gets upgraded. Very, very important part of society. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we have all these existing buildings, existing operations. The only way forward is to do what you guys are doing to think about how we can make our buildings more efficient, reducing GHGs right off the hop, if you can help it. And obviously, you know, there's some thought around, you know, the greenest building is the one you don't build. But when you're operating and you have to function when working in, in plants that are older, by you being able to consolidate the... I'll be interested to see what the impact actually when you guys can track that after. It's like, I love that you're thinking broad-based, just uh, how the the closeness of some of your facilities, how they are, and, and just and then the energy operation and the whole it's gonna be better for your employees on top of that as well, working in a newer, well thought out facility. Think about just 
things like air quality and some of those things that are factored in and thought about in a different way now. So yeah, that's, it's great that it's in existing operations, of course, and going forward, thinking about how it impacts any further construction or new projects that you're working on. Yeah. And and you know what, we're going to have to, uh, society as a whole is now going to have to, to rethink construction and building design and layout with respect to COVID and, and the impacts of this pandemic. You know, it's, it's going to be a really, really interesting new normal, you know, using air quotes, new normal of how all uh, industries and society uh, adapt. Absolutely. And I assume you guys are too far. Is COVID coming up with your new builds right now? Is that coming up? Is there anything? Are you beyond the point of even factoring that into where you're going with new facilities? Or um, Well, we're going to have to take a look at that. And if there are design elements or process elements that we can modify on the fly, we're, we're definitely going to have to take a look at that. At an earlier stage of design, obviously, at a, of our new plant-based protein facility um, that's slated to open in the United States. And that's part of the discussion for sure. Excellent. So on that note, do you have any kind of final, I guess, advice? Any other companies that might be looking to build more sustainable business operations and embed sort of a more values-based approach. Do you have any advice after kind of what you've seen in the last few years for a company maybe wanting to go forward? Yeah, sure. You know, I've been doing sustainability for many years now, and, and I've seen an evolution in North America that is, has gone from, you know, managing elements of sustainability that we would include in a sustainability program, like a big S sustainability, as you described, in silos, so HR and environment and community giving and whatnot, to coming together under under a more strategic program that you know companies are typically calling corporate social responsibility or CSR, right? And if you have a good CSR program, that's fantastic. The challenge is is that uh, again, if leadership changes or the sustainability lead moves on, who's going to take up that? strategy or those initiatives within the company could very well just you know disappear or not be very successful but companies that dig deep and and look at a social purpose that builds in these cultural aspects for the organization and you can embed sustainability right into the very fabric and culture of your of your business then I think uh, you have a high level of success that's going to you know live on and for years to come. You know that that's might not be for every organization, but I think uh, for those companies that are values uh, driven already, it's something that should be um, looked at very closely. I think social purpose or purpose is is the next evolution of you know classic corporate social responsibility. It embeds very well. It allows organizations as well to very broadly within the organization and stop talking about, you know, technical terms like sustainability. Everyone has a different definition of what sustainability means. With a purpose, we can say, you know, uh, raise the good in food. That's why we're here, right? And that's, you know, a conversation that, that companies are uh, going to start to need to have about purpose and um, how their companies are going to be successful moving forward. Yeah. So I think, you know, what I'm hearing is in order to, if a company wants to authentically move forward and actually be successful in, in moving forward, whatever, if your vision is big S sustainability, 
having a shared valued platform really looking at purpose when you so your statement raise the good in food you can attach and do so many things with that purpose with thinking about that from a shared value standpoint and it allows not only you as an organization but your people it's it's authentic they can connect with it they're part of it and to then embed those whatever metrics then you decide as a company and what you guys have decided then gets trickled all the way through the organization so participation from all parts of the organization from all people it's embedded in accountabilities across the board from middle to you know upper management so you get this really strong aligned group moving forward with same vision basically yeah, no, absolutely and remember purpose is about a journey and it's about uh, uh, continuously improving right and that and I think that's a really important aspect to to, to consider as well. You know, our vision is to be the most sustainable protein company on earth. We know we're not there right now, but that's being held above us as a guiding star for us to continually improve. Because what we're working on today might not even be considered sustainable in five years, right? So we big believers in, in continuous improvement, uh, progress, uh, not necessarily perfection at this time. And I think that's, that's a very powerful aspect to consider. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, the continuous improvement, the idea that, that you're on a journey, it's not absolute. So you're constantly trying to work towards getting to that goal. And that's, you know, setting yourself a target, that North Star that's uh, like out of reach. That's the way to do it is to right. know that you're not there, but you have to set it. Otherwise, you won't, re- you won't reach for it. You won't stretch yourself. I think that's a good message for ourselves and for all companies out there. Tim, it's been a pleasure talking with you today. I've learned a ton about Maple Leaf over the last couple of weeks, much I did not know prior. One of the things I've been most impressed with is your company's move to be a purpose-based company, really looking at value for employees, for community, and that shared value model. And I'm really impressed with the way that you approach your core business of protein. That is something I cannot, uh, I guess, stress enough how much I'm interested in the innovation around that. That you've really gone to this instead of this either or meat or plant, you've really gone to this and also, which really is great from a business model standpoint. You're helping all of your consumers who have interests in you know many of those things, and it's a great impact on the sustainability component of your company. So thank you so much for spending time with us today and really sharing that message. I think it's inspiring not only for us but for many other companies. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Building Good with Jen Hancock and Tim Coldwell. Learn more at www.buildinggood.ca and join us as we catch up with another inspirational leader who is building a better world on next week's episode. 